It's the e-commerce master plan podcast here to help you solve your marketing problems and grow your e-commerce business. Cutting through the hype to bring you inspiration and advice from the e-commerce sector and beyond. Here's your host, Chloe Thomas. Hello, welcome to our latest episode. I'm Chloe and it is very cool to have so many of you out there listening. On that front, it has been a crazy start to the year, some amazing um, numbers coming in in January and in February. So thank you all, um, the existing listeners who stick with me and keep tuning in week after week. And I know a lot of you also listen to the back catalogue, so thank you. And thank you to our new listeners who are diving in for the very first time. Now, if any of you are diving in and there's a, there's a lot of episodes now and you want an idea of what to listen to, or there's a particular problem you want to solve, you can always get in contact with me via the website or on social media and I will do my best to um, to give you some recommendations because there's over two, well, nearly 300 episodes now to pick from, which is a lot. Uh, so I'm happy to help you find the ones you're looking for. What's also kind of crazy the start of this year is that in January, we were uh, the top five UK marketing podcast on iTunes. That's mad for a show that focuses on this tiny niche of e-commerce to have been top five as marketing podcast on iTunes is um, it's awesome. So a big thank you to everyone in the UK who listens via iTunes or Apple Podcasts who have been uh, rating, reviewing, uh, subscribing and listening via that platform. That's been particularly cool. So thank you. Now, today I've got some interesting stuff to share with you. Interesting stuff. This is a new section in the show where I bring you anything particularly interesting I found out about recently in the e-commerce world. It might be an event, a white paper, a new supplier, or just something really cool I think you should know about. You can find all the interesting stuff organised by episode at ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash stuff. There might not be interesting stuff in every episode. I'm going to see how it goes. But today I've got two pieces of interesting stuff for you. First off is the Dot Digital Hitting the Mark report. I can't believe it's the 10th year of Hitting the Mark. This is one of those must-read reports that I look forward to getting my hands on each year. It's an investigation into how e-commerce businesses are using online communication tools. Now, usually they just go deep into email marketing. This year, it's been expanded to include the whole customer experience, specifically live chat, SMS, display ads, social media and apps. Um, it's a great PDF. It's a great report. Some good stats in there, some great examples, some case studies, some benchmarks, lots for you to get your teeth into. Now, you can get the PDF for free well, for the cost of your email address, on the Dot .digital website. Second piece of interesting stuff, well, this comes with a warning to beware bright, shiny object syndrome. Um, <laughs> some of you may have heard me talk about bright, shiny objects before. If you haven't, the bright, shiny object is the thing where you're just wandering along, getting on with your own strategy, and something comes along and completely derails you for better or for worse, usually for worse. So this piece of interesting stuff comes with the bright, shiny object health warming. Buying software through AppSumo can become addictive because we're talking about AppSumo here. And the reason I'm bringing it up, I mean, I've been using it for a year or so, but I've been mentioning it a lot to people recently because they've been having some really good, really e-commerce specific um, deals on there. And everyone I've been mentioning it to hasn't heard of it. So I figured, oh, maybe everyone doesn't know about AppSumo. So I thought I should tell you about it. So like I said, it comes with a health warning. Remember to do your due diligence. Do you need the piece of software? Will it save you money? Will it improve your marketing systems? Will it save you time? Check all that out before you buy. Now, what is it? Well, AppSumo 
are a business who find creators of great software and they persuade them to make their software available for a one-off low lifetime fee. So that's usually under $100. I've been using it for a year or so now and have bought many software tools that have enabled me to cancel other tools and save me hundreds, if not thousands of pounds. Um, One I use is a social media scheduling tool, which I used to pay, I think it was like 20, 30 quid a month for. I paid something like $60 and I never have to pay for it again. It just works. It does a great job. Um, It even works with Instagram. So lots of cool stuff on there. You have to keep an eye, see what they're bringing out, see what's, what's expiring. But current deals, I had a quick look at those before recording this. They include some social proof tools. You know, there's ones that pop up on the site and say XYZ just bought or is looking at and that kind of thing. Uh, Email capture plugins, including a kind of Wheel of Fortune style one. Uh, Video hosting and reporting tools. Really addictive, I will warn you in advance, so don't let it derail you, but can be a really cost-effective way to get some additional uh, clever marketing or other activity going on in your business. You can get the links to all the interesting stuff I've covered uh, in this episode and all the others as we do this more in the future at ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash stuff. So in today's episode, we're getting into the world of high fashion, global high fashion. uh, And you're going to find out about a whole myriad of different things, including replatforming tips, uh, prioritization tips, tool tips. Uh, We have quite an interesting talk about PR and how to handle that and how to handle how how to deal with the impact of incredibly successful PR. We get into the wholesale e-commerce balance and how to manage both um, and lots of other good stuff. Really, really clever guest on the show today with who's quite new to e-commerce, but has some really interesting angles on it all. And of course, working for a very successful business. Before you hear all about that though, please do check out the sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Klaviyo, the most recommended growth marketing platform on the market. Klaviyo helps more than 28,000 e-commerce brands globally to grow their businesses through high-value customer relationships. From a shopper's first impression to each subsequent purchase, Klaviyo understands every interaction, empowering brands to create more personalised marketing moments. When you have a 360-degree view of the customer, the growth possibilities are endless. And the results speak for themselves. Klaviyo customers have made more than £2.8 billion in revenue through Klaviyo in the last year alone. Visit klaviyo.com forward slash masterplan. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash masterplan. Is Magento One's impending end of life making you miserable? Does the thought of an e-commerce migration fill you with fear? Leading e-commerce agency Swanky are here to help. Their team of migration experts know everything about replatforming to the boundary-busting e-commerce platform Shopify Plus. Whatever you sell, wherever you are in the world, Swanky are ready to make your journey from Magento to Shopify as smooth and stress-free as possible. Check out Swanky's free must-have migration bundle, complete with downloadable ebook on-demand webinar and real-life success stories. Just head to swankyagency.com forward slash Magento to Shopify. That's swankyagency.com forward slash Magento to Shopify. And now to introduce today's special guest. Mark Liddington is the Chief Operating Officer at Needle and Thread, a fashion retailer selling via their own website and through outlets such as Selfridges and Netta Porter. Needle and Thread launched in 2013 and now do over £15 million per year in sales. Hello, Mark. Good morning, Chloe. How are you? 
I'm good, thank you. How are you? You're doing really well, thank you. Thank you so much for the uh, invitation. It's a pleasure to be on. I love the podcast. And um, and yeah, it's great to be invited myself. So I'm excited to be here. Oh, I'm excited to talk, talk to you as well, because I know we've got a lot lot of listeners in the fashion space. So it's always good to get uh, get any fashion retailer on, especially when they're one as successful as Needle and Thread. So, But before we get into the Needle and Thread thing, how did you end up in e-commerce? Because you, you didn't start in retail, did you? No, I di- no, I didn't. For my sins, I did um, 20 years in finance. And yeah. although not um, not a classical sort of entry port into e-commerce, um, I worked um, for big banks across UK, US and, and in Europe as well. And I think, interestingly, when I moved into fashion and um, subsequently took over the e-com part of the business as well, some of the foundations which were laid um, through my early career, good and bad lessons, I suppose, were, were very useful in transitioning into uh, in, into e-commerce itself. I think that, you know, I'd known the brand, I'd been close to the management team for for many years. So I knew, you know, how exciting Needle and Thread was as a brand and the potential which it had. And then <clears throat> eventually we had a conversation when I kind of felt that I could and should move um, out of finance and into something else slightly more interesting. And Needle and Thread was an opportunity that came up. So I did eight months consultancy, um, working through with the team in terms of how they could scale for their next um, next piece of growth, the next sort of step up in terms of growth mm-hmm. for them. Um, and I think as an aside, you know, every single person who's worked in a small business knows that there are constant iterations to your business model, to your organizational structure, to who you are, to how you operate um, throughout the course of growth. But but I think there's a couple of significant ones you go through and Needle and Thread was really on the cusp of going through one of those. So I joined, Came in, consulted for a while, became COO, and obviously um, part of that was was ecom, which again was a really interesting, eye-opening um, introduction to the world. And we replatformed at the same time um, as I arrived. So, so I think it's been you know a steep learning curve, and I certainly don't have sort of 15, 20 years, which a lot of people who come on here would have. But again, I've come to it with relatively fresh eyes, with my own biases and experiences from a, from a previous career. So it's been it's been exciting. It's been a really um, a really fun couple of years. Quite cool to um, to get to experience something completely new in a career. You know, when you get like 10, 15 years in, you kind of go, oh, well, I'm going to be stuck doing this forever. <laughs> but to get that opportunity to go to something completely fresh and new must have been very cool. It is, yeah, it, it's... it's um you kind of think it won't happen. You know what I mean? I think a lot of people mm. talk about moving industries and moving, <clears throat> you, know, I, you know, everybody thinks they've got a skill set which is transferable, I think, right? And I think most people probably do, but it just feels that within that industry, to take somebody from a different industry and drop them into your own, you've got to have a lot of faith in in the person themselves and the business you're bringing them into. And I think fortunately, like I said, I had a close relationship with the guys, but it's really, it's really rejuvenating. I think also I went from really big scale to, you know, a, a decent sized business. You know, but the last bank I worked for had 60,000 employees globally. So you can imagine, you know, mm. there's a certain weight to decision making and a certain bureaucracy level, which you achieve when you're quite that big. And then coming into a business, which at the time was um, 75 people, was incredibly refreshing. And, you know, the decision making power you have as a small business um, should never be underestimated. The agility which you can which you can have. And and that's exciting. And that's that's energizing. So, yeah, so I've been I've been incredibly lucky that that they took a chance on me coming in. And hopefully I'm, you know, in the process of paying them back for their faith. And so you came into a replatforming. That's that's kind of like that's serious 
serious thing to start off with in your e-commerce journey. Yeah, we've got this business. It's turning over, you know, eight figures and uh, we're replatforming. There you go. <laughs> yeah, well, it was kind of my fault, actually. Like, I, sort of, I, <laughs> I, 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 I can't I can't swerve that one. So so I came in and, and we were on Magento Community. And, I, you know, I'm not going to badmouth Magento at all, but it just Magento, the original version, was sort of held together. Our version, at least, was held together with lots of bug fixes and lots of, mm-hmm. you know, sticky tape. And, and, and it was really the job of the e-com team here to manage the agency they weren't managing the site they weren't managing the customers they weren't managing the experience they were just managing they were managing the bug fixes in essence so one of the first things that i talked about with um with the management team as i said look, we, we have to replatform you know everything's moved on so far so i actually stuck my hand up and 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 said i thought it was a good idea which you know as all of us who've been through replatforming exercises you always sort of try and well you go and sit in a park for a day when, when you finished and, sort of, <laughs> and think about quite how long you can survive until the next one but it but it was it, in one way it, it's always going to be difficult but at the same time i think starting um somewhat afresh um mm. in in the e-com sector and and having essentially a blank piece of paper you know not from a design or creative or visual perspective we're, we're a fashion brand right we have that already set but from a from a back-end infrastructure piece and again i've done bank integrations um internationally several times in my career and sort of product platforms and those sorts of things so i think again yes it it was it was it's hard work you know it, it's difficult but if you want to learn it's the best way i'm not recommending people do it just to learn but essentially if you want to learn it's a great way to it's a great way to get up the learning curve and i think also it's a it's a really um instructional uh, refreshing thing to do because you look at all the newest and best toys out in the market right you know i think sometimes mm-hmm. you can stick with the same provider for certain things for many many years but we were looking and, and we were looking across all the different brand new options of um of shiny gadgets that you can put onto uh, an e-com platform so yeah, yeah it was it was tough right i mean it's not live but it was but it was great as well and where did you choose to go um with the replatform <laughs> So we chose um, we chose Shopify Plus. So we chose mm-hmm. platform before we chose before we really started talking to agencies at that point. Now again, I think one of the challenges from a business choosing a platform is that you're not a platform expert. You know, you mm-hmm. only really become a platform expert with the platform once you've chosen it, and then you can see all its faults. Um, so. It's kind of we, we we spoke to a bunch of people in 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 sort of laterals. So people who do jewelry, people who do other fashion, some people who work for like you know big high streets, who are the sort of extended family, should we say, of needle and thread. So friends mm-hmm. of friends or people who'd worked with us previously. And I think we we decided early on that we didn't necessarily know where we wanted to be in twelve months' time, which which seems like a strange thing to say, but we weren't entirely sure that we wanted to have that email provider plus that type of um, customer care plugin plus that sort of international pricing model. So the thing that Shopify and I'm sure you know other platforms are, are equally as flexible, but the thing that stuck out from uh, Shopify for us is that we could really try different approaches and try different apps at the back end, so a different email provider. If it didn't work out for us, it's not quite as simple as switching one off and switching another one on, but there is a large part of that these days that you can actually be much more agile in terms of your specific implementation across the different sort of channels and the different communication strategies you've got. So, so we, we chose um, Shopify Plus and then subsequently we um, went through the process of identifying the right agency to work with, which again is, you know, 
somebody not from an econ background i think you know you you, you go with your you go with your gut and your heart a little bit more than than potentially uh, potentially you know some of the more complex questions that an econ expert would have asked so we ended up with swanky um which is an agency based out of the southwest um and they've they've got um office in australia as well and i think a lot of the devs done out of india but but we we really just had a good quality connection with them and and i think that um one they're obviously very competent in what they do but i think also the connectivity we've got with dan and the guys who work in the team um has 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 really helped as i've moved up that learning curve plus also as the business has started to get closer to where um the final the final build of our site will be and as as we discussed earlier um the final build only lasts for about half an hour until you have to start tinkering with new stuff but you know <laughs> it, in version 1.0 i suppose is is kind of where we're getting to and i think i think swanky have helped us a lot and shopify as a platform has helped us to um to to iterate as we as we move towards that for anyone listening who's, who's hastily rewinding going, where did I miss the bit where they talked about this earlier? That was the secret bit that you guys don't get to hear before I hit record. So uh, just it's to save poor, you it's endlessly podcast, rewinding. Poor podcast <laughs> etiquette. I do apologize. Things happened outside of the podcast. I, I, I apologize. Yeah, we do both exist outside of your ears yeah. right now. Um, yeah, I, I love the fact you were explaining there how kind of the team had got to the point where all they were doing was managing the bug fixes with the old platform. Yeah. And then with the new platform, what you found with the agencies, you've kind of gone with people who get what you're trying to achieve and who've got that longer term vision. And I, having done um, last year myself, managed a, a, a tendering process, picking between Shopify agencies, very similarly to you. What I found so refreshing in this day and age is that rather than trying to guess whose software could build what we wanted. We were picking the agency we had the best connection with, who we felt got our long-term goals. Yep. We felt got the, the the vision and the the story behind the business. And that's such a refreshing place to be because it means, you you know, as and with the, the fairly easy switching in and out of tools, you can just go, let we can be more kind of dynamic and we can then it's not just we build it once, forget about it for four years. It's a it's a very refreshing place it's, to be. It's hugely yeah, and it's, it's hugely important for us because if and uh, you know there's a lot of discussions on on this podcast and in the broader sort of ecom universe about brand versus product. And mm -hmm. if if you're if you're you know we feel we have a brand, we you know we have a brand, and one we're very proud of, and one that's been built meticulously over time. So therefore, you need to have somebody as an agency who's going to buy into that who's going to understand it because you know the, the the solution which may increase your conversion the most may not be the one that's right for your brand and i think understanding that before it's proposed is half the battle because you know the way we work with swanky i think is you know they they come to us and they say look we think you should guys do this and this and this the last one of those is questionable because we're not sure it fits your overall brand dynamic and tone of voice and, and how you communicate with your customers. And it's it's hugely important. I think, you know, subsequently we then say, right, this is what we want done. This is what we think is in our roadmap. And they'll come back and challenge that, challenge that on us as to how it fits overall within our messaging online, you know, how we express ourselves. And are there any key widgets and plugins you you're loving on the new Shopify Plus site? There's, um, I mean, compared to compared to you know the life before, yeah, it's good. I mean, it's it's quite <laughs> it's quite good fun. Um, I mean, I'd I'd say one is not really a direct 
app which you can get but i mean one of the first things that we did um actually prior to shopify but then we obviously rolled them over to shopify was uh, as a company called global e that take care of um multi-currency multi-payment option internationally so what they can do is they just attach to your site um and they will quote in 115 120 different currencies i think mm-hmm. um so it's just native so basically they just look at the price on your screen and then there's a there's a machine in the back end which basically says all right well what's that in saudi real what's that in aussie dollar what's that in etc cetera, etc cetera. so that's obviously good because it gives you immediate connectivity to a lot of people in their local currency which you know people will shop in dollars euros and sterling they will but at the same time if you can um present to them their local currency then that's useful and but really i think the big thing is it's um it's the the payment options at checkout are tailored to the specific region or specific country mm-hmm. so for example webo webo uh, wechat alipay is you know a huge number of transactions in in china i read something the other day said 60 to 75 percent are are um are transacted in um payment options which we just don't have outside of china so therefore how do you access those customers who have no other way of transacting well you know you can build it yourself over time but um, depending on the size of your business that's quite complicated so so it gives you a really good quality connectivity to um to local customers so that they can pay in a way that they feel comfortable in a currency which they're used to using so i think i think that's that's one um which i think is has been pretty good for us i mean there's 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 so many there's sort of like zigzag starship um we you know we looked at the shipping proposition returns proposition again hugely important in terms of uh, in terms of how your um customer relates to the brand post transaction post conversion um so again they're great they plug in and, and they do exactly what they say they will um we use clavio for email I, mean, I could go on and on i mean there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of really interesting well thought out well designed um uh, support applications and I think you just need to work out kind of what you're trying to achieve and you will find the app for that you know how do you how do you want to segment how do you want to interact with your email audience for example you'll find you'll find an app which is which is constructed that will do that for you so I think I think you know it's great it's it's um it's a good position to be in as a as an e-com business yeah it certainly is and, and- you, when as you were saying, which apps you're using, I was thinking, yeah, that makes complete sense with the brand and the product. We haven't really talked very much about the brand and the product yet. So, for the listeners who aren't familiar with Needle and Thread, could you tell them a little bit about the product you're selling and that kind of target customer audience? Yeah, sure, sure. Um, so, as a brand, um, we do uh, women's wear, which originally was, I suppose, best known for sort of occasion wear, so high days and holidays, weddings. Um, we do bridal as well, but sort of bridesmaid and um, and party dresses. So a large part of our business is gowns and skirts that's changing over time um gowns and dresses sorry so that's changing over time and we do tops t-shirts hoodies um we launched uh, kids wear uh, last week so that's um wow. sort of flower dresses so from ages three to ten um for girls and it looks amazing i mean if you get on the site it looks absolutely stunning so um so we're super confident um that's going to do really well so yeah we're, we're a women's wear brand which is um which is growing and expanding in terms of you know where do we sell to um you mentioned earlier we've got a wholesale channel and an e-com channel so we're about two-thirds wholesale one-third e-com currently in terms of turnover and the wholesale piece is 30 plus countries we've heavily curated who we sell to so i think you know again really important from the start of the brand it was who do you want to be associated with in terms of a wholesale model and you know the team here have, have 
have rejected not quite rejected as much business as they expected <laughs> not quite right but but they've they've certainly looked at some um potential wholesale customers and said no we're, we're not gonna we don't we don't think the brand association is a long-term um, win for us. So, you know, we're in Zalando's in Germany and we'll cover most of Europe. So they're big online. Net, Aporte is obviously huge online. And then the UK, Harrods, Selfridges, uh, Beholden in the US, Lane Crawford. We've got eight or nine, 10 doors in, in the Middle East. Um, so anyway, so the wholesale model works really well and it, and it works really well in tandem with our e-com model. So I think, again, if, if any businesses out there are, starting wholesale or they're starting e-com and they've got wholesale already it's it's important to think about how the two um can be greater than the sum of their parts and and that's hard work but but it can really benefit you know the association of really high quality online or bricks and mortar um can be a real benefit to you in terms of getting customer customer sort of trust and buy-in i think certainly during the early stage of of your business growth so the second bit that was wholesale Ecom, um, which is a third of the business. Um, so we are a UK brand, uh, manufacturer in India and China. Um, but last year we sold to 120 different countries um, in 75 different currencies, a lot of which were thanks to Globally, which we talked about. Um, the breakdown in terms of customer is 30% UK, 25% US, Middle East is 20%, Europe's 15 and Asia, and the rest of the world is about 10. So we are really i think even for our size like really quite global in terms mm -hmm. of our sort of customer reach and our our, um, our customer engagement which is which is great for a business like us you know and it's um that the whole the wholesale verse not versus i suppose but the wholesale e-commerce direct e-commerce balance i know is a, is a challenging one for many brands especially you know when you're both selling the same product online it's kind of crazy we're competing against our own wholesalers etc cetera, etc cetera. but but for you guys i'm guessing one of the, the the bigger challenges is often your sales are driven by kind of the pr and celebrity spikes you know so and so has been seen in our dress which i imagine is great but from the ops perspective can be a bit of a nightmare if actually that dress is only available via one wholesaler or only available via one e-commerce site. Is that is that something which you have to actively manage and be ready to deal with? Um, I mean, to an extent. I mean, I mean, it's it, it certainly um, it certainly can be challenging. But I think look the way the way we deal with it is that um, somebody famous who wears us that we don't necessarily know exactly which dress they're going to wear. They're going to wear one from our stock. So we'll have mm -hmm. the dress. Um, hopefully we'll have plenty of the dress left, or, <laughs> you know, rather than just a few, which, which can happen, you know, you know, yeah. celebrities can keep it for a significant amount of time and then suddenly pop up and you think we've only got six left. That's not, not worked out as we, as we would have wished, but that's, that's part of the business, right? That's part of the way it works. But I think, um, I think, you know, we do our own PR. We've got a team of four here in, in London and they work incredibly hard building these relationships. So if we get somebody to wear the dress, it's great for traffic. It's great, hopefully, for conversions as well. But at the same time, it's good for our wholesale customers too. You know, it's, it's good for them for people to see needle and thread um, on somebody who they, you know, either an influencer or somebody on Instagram or, or, or a celebrity, because then the next time that person walks through, you know, Harrods or Lane Crawford or you know, any, any department store mm. which we're in, they'll notice needle and thread and they'll make the association. So you, you kind of have to understand that their marketing efforts on our behalf as a brand are also contributing to our online sales. So I think it's a bit of give and take and, and you know, you, you can't get around it. Right? You have to do it. So I think just make the best of it. And there's with the type of product you're selling, there's kind of like the, oh my God, it's sold out. 
And then people become so much more aware of the brand because it was must have and it's gone and they can't get it. And it's they, you almost kind of get a second wave of of PR or brand awareness if it sells out, I suppose. Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, you, you can, if you, if you watch the traffic coming to the site, um, so the, the Duchess of Cambridge um, wore the brand in, in January, right? Which is incredible for us. And, you know, something mm-hmm. which is a relationship which we've been building over time. And it's wonderful that she, you know, she thought um, uh, the dress was yeah, good enough to wear at, a, at a, an event. So <clears throat> from that, you see immediately everybody goes to the same page. And then subsequently, people either, you know, look at it and go, oh, maybe bread's not my color. And then they'll look at, you know, other other pages like similar dresses, and then they'll slowly spread through the site. So essentially, you get a pickup across, um, across the entire site, across all of your product, because people, you know, hopefully they come to Needle and Thread and they can find something which is which is suitable for them. So, um, so yeah, no, it's it's a huge benefit. I mean, overall, we don't we don't live and die by the um, mm-hmm. by those traffic moments. You know, we're we're pretty consistent in terms of um, in terms of customer base. We've got great customer advocacy and 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 word of mouth spreads. Plus, also we work pretty hard on getting the message out there. But again, it is it is an amazing and, and an exciting time when you do get somebody who's got global appeal, who wears wears the brand, and and suddenly you know you go from you know your normal traffic to ten times. Um, so, <laughs> and from an ops perspective, at least you don't have to worry about that traffic volume because you're on a platform that just expands with it, which is <laughs> yeah. relaxing. <laughs> it, it, it is, it is. I think it's it's an interesting thing with Shopify is that you know you speak to them and and they'll tell you the site's fast and, and most of the um, most of the tools which you can find pay for or free online will tell you that it's not quite as fast as they're saying. But but essentially <laughs> it's a trade-off between the two because their stack is built specifically for um, for not for us but for for people like us and and it scales so well because you know okay Black Friday obviously Obviously, there's going to be a lot of traffic across a lot of different sites. But for example, if we get a specific spike for Shopify, it's 0.01% of their overall traffic for the day. So mm. they don't even notice. So yeah, so I think in, in that way, that sort of communal um, communal space is, is, is great. And we've never had any issues with it. And there was something you, you touched on a little bit there, which I also wanted to mention, which is you've achieved a 20, in 2019, rather, you achieved a FIFO Gold Trusted Service Award. And from everything you've been saying, clearly the customer is crucial. Is there a lot of effort that goes into making sure that customer service experience is absolutely spot on? Yes, there is. I mean, we we do a lot on the customer service piece and, and we think um, uh, long and hard about how it can be improved. We also have people from the business who who do mystery shopping, right? So, you know, on a regular mm-hmm. basis, they'll go in, they'll buy something. Again, you know, we have to kind of fudge the, uh, the info on the back end so that they don't appear to be you know, the person <laughs> sitting three desks down from you. But um, but yeah, they go in and they do mystery shopping. When we launched Live Chat, we had probably five or six of the team over the first week regularly going in and actually, you know, testing the um, the product knowledge of the customer care team, which sounds a little bit cruel, right? But, you know, at the same time, I think it's it's if you're doing it to say, well, you're not doing your job properly, then that's one thing. But in reality, what we're doing is we're trying to work out how we can better help them Mm. respond to customer queries so i think that's that's a huge piece but but that's all once the customers got in touch with you right so i think you know in in essence do how often do you want the customer to get in touch with you well, as often as they want clearly but at the same time would like it to be as seamless as possible so we we go back to the very start and we work incredibly hard on the fit of all our garments so you know we want it to look great but we also want you to feel great in it so we spend so much time 
um, trying to make sure that the fit is amazing. And if you think about, you know, okay, well, the customer service piece is at the at the end of the process, but at the start of the process, if if your garments fit great and feel great and wear great, then essentially your customer service interactions are going to be a much more positive experience than uh, than otherwise, right? E-commerce master plan is supported by some of the greatest companies in the e-commerce sector. Here's a reminder of who they are. How are the leading D2C brands growing their business? They're using Klaviyo, the growth marketing platform chosen by over 28,000 global innovative online brands. Klaviyo believes in supporting growth, which is why they won't tie you into lengthy contracts, hidden setup or support fees, or feature-based pricing. With a platform that is both powerful and easy to use, it's no surprise so many brands have switched to Klaviyo. Looking for one more compelling reason? Brands switching to Klaviyo see an average of 62 times ROI on their investment. Ready to learn more? Visit klaviyo.com forward slash masterplan. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash masterplan. With support for Magento One stores set to expire in June, are you looking for a new home for your e-commerce site? Well, start your digital transformation journey with leading Shopify Plus agency Swanky. Boasting years of migration experience and with countless successful replatforming projects under their belt, these e-commerce experts know everything there is to know about replatforming, including all the secrets to a smooth and stress-free transition. Check out Swanky's free must-have migration bundle, complete with downloadable ebook, on-demand webinar, and real-life success stories. Head to swankyagency.com forward slash magento to Shopify. That's swankyagency.com forward slash magento to Shopify. It's time for the top tips round. Okay, I love this section because it gives me and our listeners some really quick ideas for taking our business to the next level. So, Mark, are you ready for the top tips? I feel ready, yep. Excellent. Okay, the book top tip. If everyone listening to this podcast agreed to take Friday off and read a book to make their business better, which book would you recommend? I. It's, it's tough. I, I, does anyone say one book? I'm, I'm going to probably give two. <laughs> almost I'm, no one says almost one. Almost <laughs> no one says one, right? So I sort of, I mean, the way the way I'd look at it is, if we're if we're talking ecom specific, there's two component parts which I think are a little bit underutilized, right? And one is the data science piece of of ecom. Now, again, I'm not saying that oh, no one gets into data science, no one no one does it, but I think I think certainly if somebody's you know on their journey of um, becoming an ecom professional or is an ecom professional that thinks they've probably got a few gaps which they they could fill and, and a bit of self improvement, and then data analysis is hugely important because it's it's not it's not something which you can it's not a given right you can give five different people five different the, the same set of data and they'll come up with five different views on it so therefore it's really how do you pick out those nuggets of truth how do you find the interesting stuff how do you find the stuff which is going to change your business correct poor decisions or facilitate great decision making right so so from that I would say any book on data science, which has got you know five stars from Goodreads or whatever, but but certainly one I I I liked was Data Science for Business, which is by um, two authors. It's Foster Provost and Tom Fawcett, which I which I thought was really good. It's going to be a bit dry for a Friday, to be honest. I mean, it's a data science <laughs> book, so let's not let's not kid ourselves. But I think nip in and out of that or something similar um, over a period of time because it will. It's always good to challenge yourself about how you should use data and. And you have a lot of data as an e-com provider, so that's important. The second piece was was um, 
more about behavioral behavioral science so it's another kind of science book but i think um thinking fast and slow is good malcolm gladwell those sorts of things I, th I think for me at least and again um it might not work for everybody thinking about how um decision making is formed how customers sort of think herd mentality some of the biases which you know our customers pick up but also the biases which we have ourselves um certainly in terms of of conceptions about your own business which you should challenge more regularly than i probably do and and, and you probably do is hugely important so i think i think i'd go for a data science piece and uh, and uh, and a behavioral science piece because those two for me are not ecom specific but they're but they're hugely important foundations to um, to working well in ecom Cool. So plenty of coffee that Friday, guys, if you're going to undertake those two. Uh, okay, the traffic <laughs> top tip. Which marketing method do you either prize above all others or think doesn't get the press it deserves? Um, I would say, um, I mean, obviously getting the Duchess of Cambridge to wear you is, is, is great if you're a fashion <laughs> brand. I would recommend that as a traffic tip. Um, but that's a little bit more, that's probably not particularly helpful <laughs> to, to a lot of people. I, I'd go for organic organic social and email i think i think one of the reasons that i mean um, they are talked about there's a lot of discussion around them right but i think one of the things is that they're free right so i mean obviously you need an email provider mm -hmm. to to work with which will cost you a bit and instagram for example doesn't cost you anything but i think i think if you go to a conference and there's a lot of people there trying to you know sell you their services some of which are amazing um they're not going to work as hard to sell you something which is kind of free-ish you know what I mean so I think mm -hmm. I think people don't talk about it as much and they don't focus on it as much but it but it's it's incredible I mean for us for example as a brand we've got 450,000 Instagram followers I mean you know if you want to reach that and these people that have indicated interest in the brand they've come to you and said okay well this seems interesting I'm going to follow you and see if you can if you can convince me that that I should buy something um, so I think I think it's an incredibly powerful tool, um, and it's something which is slower burn, so it doesn't get you the accelerated growth you might want. But over time, it pays dividends hugely. Nice. Okay, the tool top tip: maybe a collaboration tool, a social media plugin, a phone app, or just a way of working. Is there a cool little tool that you use that makes you and your team more efficient from day to day? Um, there's a few, but I'm not going to mention them all. I'm going to go for process, I think. I mean, we use Mondays, we use Slack, um, I think all of which are, uh, are great in terms of um, visualizing where your business is and, and giving someone like myself who's, who's time poor um, the ability to just on their phone snapshot, where are we? What, what's blocking us? Mm -hmm. is, it, is it me again? You know, is it something which <laughs> I need to step in and, and sort out? But I think really the, the way we work um, with the team here is um, – is kind of a, a based upon the Eisenhower matrix. So again, overused, but the reason it's mentioned a lot, I think, is because it is um, so simple that you can't forget it. You know what I mean? It's, it, it, it just works really well. So it's, it's the basis of, of, is it important? Is it urgent? If it's important and urgent, then you need to get on it. If it's not important and it's not urgent, then you probably don't need to do it at all. Because I think within businesses, certainly fast-moving businesses, there's often an urgency bias. It's not that we're focusing on the not important, not urgent, but we're just focusing on the urgent more than the important. So I think, mm -hmm. I think you know, what we try and do when we're talking through you know, a weekly Monday morning saying, right, what's the what's the agency working on? What are we putting in? We, what what time constraints have we got? What's looking like it's going to happen early? What's going to happen late, et cetera, et cetera? What's, what's the issues? Um, 
it's those things which we challenge and I get the team to challenge me on, you know, what, what is the most important thing for us to do? Um, what is the, what is the, the, the thing that we need to achieve you know, above all others? Um, and then you can prioritize much better. So I think it's a prioritization tool and, and we kind of use a loose interpretation of the Eisenhower matrix to, to do so. Excellent. I always, I always like a nice, simple tool because that one is so such an effective matrix. Yeah. Uh, okay, the growth top tip. If you met someone today who's focused on growing their e-commerce business from 100 orders per month to 1,000, what would be your number one tip for them? Mm, interesting. Um, I think... <laughs> I think firstly, like, well done, you know, good work. Don't, you can't take a day <laughs> off yet. You can't take a Friday off and read some data science books. But a hundred's great, right? I think as a tipping point, are, are you keeping the lights on? Because that is such a huge thing for a business. If you're basically paying for yourself to continue wages, IT, you know, the site, all that sort of stuff, then then you've done incredibly well. I think much like my last answer, I think the most important thing to get from one to a thousand is the same thing to get from a thousand to ten thousand, which is which is what is your process to do so? You know, what process have you got in place to allow yourself to scale? And the way we do it is we start off by saying, define your opportunity set, like where should you be selling? Who should you be selling to? Who should be buying your stuff? Who isn't? How long have you got to do it? So how quickly do you want to get from a hundred to a thousand? Because if it's two weeks, you're probably going to have to pay quite a bit. And if it's two years, then <laughs> you can obviously take a slightly more long-term approach. And then really, once you've done those two things, look at amplification or diversification. So amplification is, do you just do more of what you do? Do it you know, higher, stronger, faster, um, louder, probably. Um, do you just do that? Or do you look at diversification and and pick a different demographic range, pick a different geography, which you think you, which is in your opportunity set, but you're not really hitting properly yet. And you can do both at the same time. So anyway, so I, th I think, again, it's, it's, it's put a process in place, which allows you to get from, you know, a hundred to a thousand to 10,000 to a hundred thousand, hopefully. But, but again, defining that opportunity set and how many should you be selling? How many do you think you can sell if everything goes well is, is a huge first step in that. Oh, Mark, you've given us such great answers today. It's It's been really cool. Um, before we do say goodbye, though, would you like to let the listeners know where they can find you and Needle and Thread on the web and social media, please? Yeah, certainly. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, so basically, we're www.needleandthread.com. Um, if you're in the US, um, don't worry, you'll get redirected to our US site because we've got a different storefront. Um, and then in terms of social media, you can find us at Needle and Thread London um, or... Uh, Twitter. I can't actually remember our Twitter hashtag, but you know, anyway, uh, you'll find us at Needle and Thread as well. Cool. We'll put that Twitter one in the show notes for you, all of you listening, so you can definitely find them. Although I suspect if you start typing Needle and Thread, you'll come good. Um, Mark, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. You've shared so much and I know the audience will have loved it. So, so thank you. So interesting to chat to a chief operating officer rather than necessarily a marketer about some of these big e-commerce topics. And to, to, I mean, Mark touched on so many different areas that I think the matrix to keep us working on the important as well as the urgent is, you know, obviously key. And one of those things which I think throughout my career I've needed reminding about. Um, also, his his thoughts on you know the whole replatforming piece and and. You know, of course, the fact it never ends. I thought that that bit was really interesting. Plus, um, those a couple of insights into kind of how they manage the wholesale e-commerce relationship and the PR side of things. Lots of different tips and tricks there. You know, if any of the rest of you managed to get the Duchess of Cambridge wearing your clothing, 
Nice. I want to hear about it. Um, to get your hands on the notes from today's show, including the top tips, links, details of related episodes, and also that, that mystery Twitter handle, then head over to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast. And Mark's on the show today uh, in part because he's a fan of the show uh, and he wanted to be on. So if you are a fan of the show, I'm guessing you are because you're listening and you'd like to be on, then head to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast, where towards the top of the page, you will find a link to become a guest and you'll find a little form on the other side of that link. Uh, Fill that in and I may well be in touch to get you booked and recorded. I hope you're having a great week. Keep optimizing. Thank you for listening to the e-commerce master plan podcast. Find out more at ecommercemasterplan.com slash podcast.